Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Episode 99 of Suncast. There's three to five percent of the audience who are like, it's too much, it's too fast. As with anything, like you can't be perfect for everyone. But for the 97% who can follow along, hmm. they love it because it's hopefully the best hour of their week. Yeah. Hopefully like the most edifying hour the entire week. There's no email that compares. There's no article that compares. They go from zero to one in that one hour. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Hey, Solar Warrior, and welcome to Tactical Tuesday, a short-form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career. This is episode 99 of Suncast. (laughs) I know that you could be doing just about anything right now, so thank you for setting aside this time to be here with us. Today, I'm bringing back one of my favorite Suncast past guests, Mr. Paul Grana of Folsom Labs as we help you discover the value of using webinars in your sales and marketing process. Paul and his team over at Folsom Labs have leveraged webinars instead of an outbound sales team. And when I first interviewed Paul back in episode 77, I promised to bring him back to dig in further on the how, why, and when of webinars. So stay tuned as we learn the math behind Helioscope's No Salesperson Organization, the myth of one-to-one sales effectiveness, and how a group setting just works better. Two types of webinars that Paul and his team use and where they fit in the sales cycle. The nuances of how Paul structures the webinar from length and cadence to what days and times work best. And stay tuned all the way to the end to find out how to swipe Paul's best ideas for your own webinars. All right, it's time to tune in and tune up your skills, Solar Warriors. So get ready for some practical takeaways on today's Tactical Tuesday, all about the power of the webinar with Paul Grana. Well, as promised, we have brought Mr. Paul Grana from Folsom Labs back to have a Tactical Tuesday. And the purpose of this Tactical Tuesday, as we alluded to in our original episode, if you haven't listened to that, you should go back and check it out. It is fantastic. Back in episodes 77 and 78, where Paul and I talked about how they basically don't have an outbound sales team. And one of the ways that Paul has managed to create leverage and increase the funnel, what we call it in marketing, without having outbound is to employ, well, we'll just say certain selling techniques. And we'll talk about one of those today, which is called the webinar. And I believe that 
far too few of us in the solar industry are leveraging this technology and this technique to help sell, in particular when it's a multi-step complex sell. So wanted to bring Paul back on today. Welcome back to Suncast, brother. Thank you. Good to be here. Indeed. It's good to be here. It's good to be back in, uh, in, the, in the, what do you call this? The- <laughs> World Headquarters, Folsom Labs. There you go. Slash basement. <laughs> slash basement. <laughs> and, and enjoying some of, this, uh, of the fantastic culture that you guys have infused into your team. And seeing what it looks like in an office without salespeople. Very different cadence. One of the things that we talked about, I can't remember, we were talking about it uh, here before we started recording, but I don't recall if it was on the show or if it was in a private conversation. But as I recall, one of the early inflection points for you all with Helioscope was a GTM webinar. Can you tell me how that came about and what you learned on the heels of that that informed how you approach sales? I almost might say that the seeds of the GTM webinar might have even started months earlier. And specifically as we, as we launched, so this is 2014, we were trying to figure out what's the best way to go to market, you know? Mm-hmm. And the initial part of it was the fact that the product itself wasn't like selling an inverter or a module, mm-hmm. you know? Because obviously if you're selling a module inverter, the contract that you're looking at is... I mean, what's the smallest contract you're going to look at? You know, 10 or 20K if you're slumming it. You know, <laughs> ideally quarter million, million, multi-million. Mm-hmm. Basically, on our end, we're baseline to software products. And specifically, PVSYST was about 1500 bucks the first time and then 500 ish on an ongoing basis. Right. AutoCAD was in the same ballpark, a couple thousand to get started and, you know, a little bit over, over time for maintenance. And so in that context, we really had decided that about a thousand a year was about the right price, you know, 95 a month or 950 a year. Mm-hmm. And so when that's the price point, then you start to realize that a lot of things become, uh, essentially you can't pencil them out. A lot of sales processes don't make sense when the product is only a thousand bucks. Right. Because if, for example, if you're going to actually try to get every customer on the phone, how many phone calls can one person set up in a year? Yeah. Maybe three or four a day. Uh-huh. So, okay, so we can have about, let's call it six to 800 calls a year. Then how many do you think are, you're going to move the needle on? You know, because if there's a strong no, that's wasted. If they're already a yes, it's kind of wasted. So in between, what do you think you can move the needle on? Maybe 50 of those 700, you're going to truly take them from a no to a yes mm-hmm. through that hour-long phone call. Well, 50 customers at 1000 bucks a year is 50K. I mean, if we gave the entire thing in commission, it would still not get, a, you know, not, not get somebody excited. And then imagine if you're going to pay you know, sales commissions on that. It just doesn't pencil out. Right. So honestly, it wasn't that hard to take that entire chunk of sales processes off the table. So again, it's nothing about whether salespeople are good or not. It's just it's, everything flows from the price. Right. At that point, then, it became all about, well, let's support the customers we've got as well as we can. Let's make sure they know the product as well as they can. And then let's get new people to see it as quickly and effectively as we can. Mm-hmm. So those are different problems at different parts of the funnel. But when it came to the GTM webinar, we said, and, and frankly, we, at the first one, we didn't know how the ROI would be, but we thought of it as R&D. You know, I mean, spend some money, try to track the results, see, right. if it, see if it makes sense. And it was such a great ROI for us. And as a software product, being a tool that you hope that people will use, one of the core components is finding the right user, right? Which is a marketing problem. How do you find the right user? We had a conversation about whether that you are going to be focused on the sponsor who's going to be paying for it, 
or the champion internally who's a user and, and wants to make sure that everyone in the organization knows that this is a product we have to have. And so to reach those two different people, the economic buyer, as we say, the person that's signing the check versus the user are two different messages. That's one part of it. The other is when you have reached the user, the thing they most want to know about is not price, but functionality, which necessarily means that an engagement with them is a period of time longer than an economic buyer. Economic buyer is like, well, how much is, they're looking at the numbers, how much is it going to cost? What's the productivity? What am I not paying for now that I'm using your product? On a user level, one of the things that I know we'll talk about from a structural perspective, but one of the things that you get stuck in with a traditional sales team is the idea of repetition. And when a sales call is not a five-minute call, but a 50-minute call, because you have to do the same repetition on a one-to-one basis, you have to, at that point, you start thinking, okay, where am I at in the funnel? And how can I create leverage? How can I create a product that will allow me to give this same presentation to more people at one time? Is that a fair explanation of the core functionality or reason that a webinar would exist for you? Yeah, pretty much. And as with anything, nothing ever starts on day one the way it looks on day 1000. Mm-hmm. You know? And we weren't doing three webinars a week in the first days of the company because we didn't have enough people interested to fill up three webinars a week. Mm -hmm. So in those early days, we were doing basically one-to-one demos with people. Mm -hmm. And it was a good way to get reps, learn the questions people are asking, and get early product feedback when the product is particularly rough and early. I was reaching the max of what I could do in a day. I was setting up, you know, five Mm. or six a day. Yeah. And then you start to realize that, you know, these are more similar than different. And we need to start to get to, you know, to, to, to start to economize on these. And I will say, before I did that, I was a little worried that there would almost be a fall off in the effectiveness. Uh-huh. Because you can imagine when it's, when it's one-to-one, there's this perceived, you really have to be there. Yeah. If anything, I've found that it's a little bit more effective because the ask to show up is a little bit lower. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, I must book this on my calendar. Someone's waiting for me. And if I miss it, there's a problem. So then, you know, someone might push you out. And, and by the way, not to mention that just the sheer overhead of, of scheduling that becomes annoying. But then also, there's a lot of people who don't know what questions to ask. And for them, having other people who do ask questions really helps the people who didn't ask the questions. Mm -hmm. So if anything, there's a lot of benefit to having a few chatty people on the webinar who can drive the feedback so that other people can just have a richer experience even if they don't know what to ask themselves. And then by the way, for those that have something proprietary, that was my other concern before doing this, was there are going to be people who really have something sensitive. First of all, very little actually fits that bucket. It's the, yeah. kind of, it's the kind of scare story you tell yourself but isn't real. Yeah. And for the one in a hundred time when someone has something they want to talk about, we follow up by email. Right. We can either address it by email or do a call. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't preclude a one-on-one phone call, but it's, such a, it's, it's actually a superior substitute for 99% of the people who are going to be in the audience. We could run the risk of getting into takeaways and lessons learned before we talk about mechanics and and fundamentals. Mm -hmm. At a broad level, we're talking about the notion of what is a webinar, why I have one at all. So a webinar for those uninitiated is a one-to-many platform where you can share either a pre-written PowerPoint or video or screen share or even a live video of your face doing either a talk or some sort of presentation that presents 
your product or that presents a topic you are an expert on. Why have one at all, we've just explained, is that it gives you the ability and the leverage to exceed what you could normally, one person could do in a day in terms of the reach of audience. One thing I hadn't considered that I'd love to dig into as a next step beyond why have one at all Mm -hmm. is where does it fit in the sales cycle, right? You've got the notion of the funnel. There's top of the funnel activity, middle of the funnel, and then closing activity. You rarely see in our industry webinars that close. They're mostly opening webinars. Yep. Uh, Whereas in the information products industry, like all webinars are closing webinars. The top of the funnel is everything that gets someone onto a webinar so that they can close, sell them on a course or what have you. How does it differentiate for you as a SaaS product in the, in the solar industry? I'm also curious if you thought about how it might differentiate for others not selling SaaS but selling products who are doing webinars into the solar industry. But let's talk about the funnel first. Sure, yeah. Yeah, because for us, there are two types of webinars, and they're both really important, and they're both very different. So if you think about the funnel, there's the top of the funnel webinar. So yeah. As you talked about, you know, us doing that GTM webinar um, at that level, it's comparable to a to a conference. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. from a marketing budget and philosophy point of view. You do webinars, you do you do conferences, you do you know advertising, etc. Mm. This is your traditional outbound marketing, exactly. trying to achieve more brand recognition yep. and acquire new users, like just expose yourself to new people, leveraging yep. ideally the list, the marketing list, and exposure of someone larger than yourself. Most of what we do is working with media organizations. Again, mm-hmm. Green Tech Media, Solar Power World, those are kind of bread and butter for us. And there are others, too, that I'm, um, I apologize for those that I haven't, haven't thought of. The other approach is, you know, you just pick a partner and you cross-publish. So mm-hmm. you, you find a peer and you say, hey, we both have 50,000 names. Let's both blast our 50,000 people. And look, even for someone who is signed it- up 18 months ago and then went dormant, that's kind of a new person. You know, yeah. so, even, so it doesn't have to be explicitly brand new names from outside the organization. Yeah, this would be like a Helioscope Solar Edge webinar. Exactly, exactly. Yep, but it's it's the same idea of Mm -hmm. rekindling awareness Mm -hmm. in someone who might not have thought of you for the last 60 days, you know, easily. Yeah. That's one piece of it. And those we do a handful of times a year. Mm -hmm. Those are, you know, much bigger budget. You know, those are ranging from four to five figures price point per, not to mention the prep in advance, because again, if you're doing it well, you're spending many, many hours prepping for that in advance. Yeah. Then the other webinar that we do a lot is the middle of the funnel webinar. So basically, mm-hmm. if you go through our funnel, it's be aware of it, create a trial account, you get a 30-day trial. And then as soon as someone creates a trial account, we try to get them onto a training webinar. We run about three or four training webinars a week. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a core two or three that we do all the time, general intro, resi specific. And then every, uh, about twice a month, we'll do an advanced webinar, we'll do them time for Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of thinking around what's the right cadence for the various audiences. By the way, we're working on, not have it yet, but we're, we will soon have a Spanish language webinar. So a lot of, you know, like you can almost think about marketing segmentation playing out through a webinar portfolio. At a high level, they're all similar, which is someone's aware of the product, someone is in the middle of a trial, means someone has a task on their side mm. of actually you know, getting to know a product because they have to decide if it's worth it or not. And so those are learning, those are training. You know, now, we call it training internally. We think of it as training. We try to build everything all about just teaching, teaching, teaching. Mm-hmm. But the other way you can think about it is building value. So we don't have to have an ask. There's no commitment, there's no signature, there's no, there's no transaction in that webinar. But ideally, you convince someone 
it's not even convincing them. It's simply letting them know what the product can do, right. what it can do for them, how they can make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, if you've done your job, then it becomes a very easy story for saying that it's worth the price. Yeah. You know? I mentioned the difference, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the difference between software and hardware. Mm-hmm. What you just said to me sounds a whole lot more hardware-focused than software-focused mm-hmm. in philosophy. It's not, it's something I would expect Mike Rogerson to tell me from Solar Edge, right? Because he recognizes he can't actually physically sell an inverter at the end of a webinar. Mm-hmm. Like, it's possible, but highly improbable, and actually not, not a good use of his time on the webinar. Whereas in the software industry, like, yours is a click of a button. Yep. Right? It's literally a click of a button. Someone yep. could, at the end, like, click on the screen, go to the purchase page, get a buy now discount. Yep. How does that fit within the notion of, of the focus on training and the, versus the focus on conversion? It's the kind of mindset where you sacrifice something in the short term for the benefit in the long term, mm-hmm. which is to say, on the time frame of a month, by not pushing to a close the way a traditional SaaS might try to get you to, might, you know, you'll often be in the hands of, a, of an AE or SDR, you know, someone who does actually have a mandate to bring in revenue. So certainly someone who is pushing to a close mm-hmm. is going to optimize revenue for that month, always. Mm-hmm. But it might not give you the best customer experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can be patient mm-hmm. and have a mindset with the customers that we just want you to know what the product can do, yeah. and then we don't want your money until the time is right for your business, yeah. then there are customers of ours who say, I'm waiting on one project, who are truly small businesses, sure, who are it. saying, I'm waiting on one project to close. And uh-huh. it might be six months, but I will be back. Great. You know, we've done our job. You're happy. We, we, we don't need your money today. We want it when, when the time is right for you. As opposed yeah. to someone who, on there who is saying, well, you know, can we, can we swing it? You know, we can, we can get you involved. For, and then either playing with discounts or pushing them more than they're comfortable with. Yeah. So what about that listener who says, that's well and good for you, Paul. Like, I've heard your episodes. You guys are well-funded now. Like, what about when you did actually need the cash? You needed the conversion. You didn't have the luxury early days of waiting for someone to take to drag it out three six months like you didn't you needed money so that you could keep this so you didn't have to go sell you know yeah an, an organ to keep the company going right we still took that mindset because i think part of it is because we were in the solar industry before yeah we weren't going to be like in the traditional silicon valley you know mm-hmm. hack it fail fast hack your growth you know mm-hmm. mindset so frankly we think about everybody as being a customer eventually. Yeah. If they're not a customer now, they'll be a customer later in the year. Mm. If they're not a customer later in the year, they'll be a customer next year. Yeah. And if not next year, 2022, I don't care. As long as we are always doing the right thing, as mm. long as we are, you know, yes, we want them to be a customer, but if, if they don't want to be a customer, then we don't want them to be a customer. Mm-hmm. So we've always been that patient. Mm-hmm. And if you take a 10-year horizon to your place in the industry, to your customer's place in the industry and to your relationship with those customers, then it's pretty easy to justify a low pressure approach. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's kind of an unanswer to your question because it doesn't solve the cash issue. Like you can't you can't pay payroll today with cash from 2022. That's right. So I, I acknowledge that. It really just means that you have to get comfortable with the growth that you can sustainably. I think what I would say is by doing that, it actually does pay off better on a three to 12 month horizon. Because the people that get the low pressure approach who play around have a great sort of training and support experience. Mm. And, then they, and then they come back, they're 
they're then much they're stronger in. customers. They're bought in. They make a principled decision as exactly. opposed to a, a fear-based decision exactly. of, of missing out on a best price. And then they're going to be more likely to tell their friends. Right. So I do think strongly that on a 12, 24-month, 36-month horizon, mm-hmm. it's by far a stronger approach. Even though, again, on, on any short-term basis, you could always mm-hmm. sort of, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, you might say, like overdriving a car's engine. Right. You know, could I go faster in the mm-hmm. short term? Sure. But on the other hand, if I can drive that car in a way that it was that I'm 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 good to the engine, then the engine, then the engine is going to be good to me. Yeah. Well, the engine of our growth is our users, and so being good to our engine, not trying to overdrive them on any one period of time, you end up having a much much better ride. I love that we come here on the pretext of doing a tactical Tuesday on webinars, and what we really get into is the philosophy of sales. Yeah. This, is, this is classic. <laughs> I know. You're listening to this episode because you're tired of doing things the old way and looking for a new approach. And that is precisely why my friends at CPS America, aka Chint Power Systems, have agreed to help make this fresh content possible for you. See, they believe in the power of change and the importance of trying something before others catch on. They are the U.S. market share leader of three-phase string inverters, pioneering that approach since before it was cool. With over two gigawatts shipped in America, Chint's feature-rich, high-performance inverters, and its nimble service team are ahead of the pack, just like you. If you'd like to find out what CPS can do for your CNI and utility business, reach out to me for an intro, nico at mysuncast.com. Or you can reach out to them directly and just let them know you heard it here on Suncast. Let's talk about cadence. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in cadence of where it's at in the sales funnel, i.e. the top of the funnel you mentioned, you might do them a couple times a year. How did you decide the number of webinars that fit for the middle of the funnel, which is, I think, where most people ought to be thinking about the notion of webinars, right? There's the top of the funnel you mentioned, which is, hey, broadcast, megaphone, this is who we are, you should know about us if you don't already, mm-hmm. versus the middle of the funnel. The two things I want to understand is how do you decide how the, the cadence of when, you, when to do those, how do you know how long they should be, and then how do you tell people about them? I'll start with how do you tell them about them? Mm-hmm. Because okay. for us, because it's middle of the funnel, uh-huh. These are people who are creating a trial account. So, right. So it's all email marketing. Once they create a trial account, every email touchpoint is basically driving them towards a webinar. Got it. Then in terms of the length, for us, an hour has always been kind of an appropriate amount of time. Frankly, we have enough content to fill up two hours, but that's not reasonable. We could fit it down to 20, 30 minutes, but it's hard to get past the surface stuff when you're only doing 20, 30 minutes. Don't I know it. I was going to say, in the same way that you think about webinars, you know, or the same way you, you, you think about, about episodes where there's there's kind of... A level of, I mean, overhead is a is an impersonal and wrong word to right. it, but there's a there's some fixed startup of getting things in place, getting people comfortable, yeah. talking about the high level, and then getting into the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So an hour has has been about right. I always say 55 minutes because really we actually start five after the hour because guess what? There's always going to be trouble getting That's the right. audio connection. So every single webinar we do, it actually like we tell people one o'clock, it starts at 105 yeah. because people that are physically there-ish at one, they don't have the audio connection. They're still waiting for something to load, et cetera. So 55 minutes is actually what we, what we do. Now, the other thing about the cadence is a tactical point and then a broader point. Tactical point is we record every single one. We send a link to the recording to all the people that join the webinar because we know that some people can make the time. And for those people that can make the time, having a live webinar is so yeah. valuable. Mm-hmm. Having someone who is physically there who can answer their questions when they get stuck. If they need us to go back and do something again, we can do that. Mm-hmm. But then there are also people who miss it. Either they, they miss it because something came up in the short term or they miss it just because they're never going to be able to make a time middle of the day because they're on a roof. And for those people, we say, hey, great, no, st- still join, no pressure, right? s- mm-hmm. sign up for one, no show, mm-hmm. and then 
that afternoon you get a link to the recording that you can watch on your own time. Yeah. At least it's still as fresh as you're going to get if your only time to watch it is at midnight. Yeah. You know, but th that's fine. We want to fit that too. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it brings up a um, maybe a broader point about about cadence and timing because part of what's going on here across the board is timing not just of yourself but of your customers. When is the audience making time for this? And when are you making time for them? And especially if you think about this extremely broadly in the sense of sales cadences versus support cadences too. Because again, we talked about, you know, webinars are one thing where we try to schedule them during the business day. Yeah. We try to schedule them at a range of times. So our core for the US market is 11 Pacific and one, one Eastern or one Pacific and four Eastern. Two, 11 and two. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. Um, yep. I'm not the physics major here. <laughs> sorry. I'm just, uh, I'm <laughs> starstruck by, by sitting across the table. Here. <laughs> 11 um, and 2. 11 and 2. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and 1 and 4. And 1 and 4. And those are designed so that East Coast, West Coast, and Hawaii, mm. it'll work for all three, basically. Oh, it wow. might not be convenient, but it'll work for all three. Right. And that also kind of gives us Latin America, too. That's a, so that's a, on the same day? 11 and 2? No, we, and we actually do them on separate days. Okay. Tues, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask on the lessons learned deals with that specific point. It sounds like that's what you've arrived at. What did you trial and why Tuesdays, Thursdays versus Wednesday, Friday? There's a lot of folks who would say there's science around like the specific day. Yeah, I'd say for us, the only real rules are Fridays are never great because mm -hmm. people are often not in the office. Mm -hmm. Mondays are tricky because people, people have a, a, a tall inbox that they're trying to deal with. And right. so it's not an ideal day. Now, by the way, this week is Intersolar Week. Guess mm -hmm. what? We're not doing Tuesday, Thursday. We're doing Monday and Friday. We will violate these in a pinch. But yeah. this is a pinch. It's Intersolar. We're a small team. We're all going to yeah. be there. So in general, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the best days as far as we're concerned. Yep. We have a Resi webinar on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. We do an advanced webinar every other Wednesday. So we kind of use that time for other webinars. So you'll do specialty webinars on Wednesdays. Yep. And you do your canned webinars that you're still recording live yep. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Exactly. Which brings me to my next point. Why do them live at all? We talked a bit about it, so I don't want to go like into super detail, but mm -hmm. the prevailing thought here would be do it once and be done with it. Yep. Let the people follow up with you and you can do a live interaction with them afterwards. There are, there's now software available like Webinar Jam and, and some others that will allow you to do sort of, you can, you can like ghost a, an evergreen recorded, right? Yep. So like, I think they might call it a moderated recording mm -hmm. where you're there, you're checking email, it pings you if someone asks a question, but they're really watching a recorded webinar. I have this conversation regularly because every time we have a new engineer, they're like, why do you keep giving the same canned thing? Does what you said, you know, does your, does your thing differ? Not really. I mean, it, it changes when we have new features, but that's, that's, a, that's a different time horizon. Like we're doing twice a week. Those are the same on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm -hmm. I generally sort of win the argument or I, I think I win the argument. By way of an analogy. Mm -hmm. And the analogy, so I used to work in consulting and a lot of packaged goods stuff. And when you buy orange juice, none of the orange juice needs to be refrigerated. None of it. It is shelf-stable. It could sit room temp right next to the, to the Coke and Pepsi on the, on the shelves. The purely rational person would say, why do we make it cold? Of course, cold storage is expensive. But the difference is the perceived value of that orange juice is twice as high when it's cold. Like, when's the last time you bought room temp orange juice? And by the way, there are a couple that actually do that are shelved in room temp, but nobody ever wants them. Right. And so the reality is, even though it's the same product, by going a little bit extra, by spending a little bit more, you have a multiples return on the perceived quality. Yeah. It's the core same webinar. If we get no questions, it is truly the same. Yeah. But the fact that if a question comes in to repeat something, we can actually go repeat it. 
The question comes in to show how something would be applicable on a carport system that we didn't get a chance to show. We can actually jump back in and do a carport system. Right. That just extra freshness mm -hmm. increases the, the quality, I'm convinced, 2 to 5x, yeah. maybe even 10x. I mean, I haven't done the, I, have, I don't have the numbers for this, but, but it's, it's clearly better to have people who can actually be there for a live webinar, even if they're not going to ask a question, yeah. versus watching a recording. You had mentioned how timing and pace, in particular timing in the webinar, is important. Can you talk a bit about that at a, at a sort of esoteric level, like how it impacts the engagement? The example I might give is, um, have you ever opened up an article, like just from media, and there's an interview, and then there's a transcript of the interview. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I see that, I just pause the interview, read the transcript, <laughs> and it's, it's five times faster. You know, and granted, yeah. I'm skipping things, yeah. but even if I were to read line by line, it's twice as fast. That's right. And so basically... My theory is that people can process you know, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And the ability for the brain to hear stuff mm -hmm. is much greater than the ability of the brain to speak. Yeah. Another data point would be how many people listen to a podcast at more than 1x speed. How many of the audience that, were, that, are, that are hearing me right now yeah. are hearing a sped up version of my voice? Yeah. So what I try and do on webinars is you know, a 1.2x speed, basically, yeah. sort, of, sort of moving quickly. And the reason for that is a couplefold. One is objectively you fit more information in, right? I mean, sure, there's a pure, like, straightforward logic of yeah. if I fit more words, then there's more teaching that goes on. Uh -huh. The second one, which is non-intuitive, is it really raises the energy level. Energy level is one of those really important things where it's actually one of the things that I've probably most consistently had to teach both Evan and Knut when mm -hmm. they started was raise that energy level. And yeah. it's, it's a little awkward when you don't have the audience in the room. It's one thing when you're in front of 20 people to have a high energy level because you can feed off of them yeah. as people. You know you've got a room. Well, on a webinar, you might not know how many people there are, which is one of the things that I, one of the small things I do is I actually hide the list because I just don't want to know. Yeah. I'd say the worst webinar I ever had was where I had some guy who turned on his webcam and then left his computer. Oh no. So it's like, he's not watching me. I know he's not watching me. Just look, it's fine. You, you, you can walk away. You don't have to listen to me, but at least let me lie to myself that yeah, you care. That's right. So anyway, you have to sort of willfully pretend you're in front of 20 people yeah. and really bring it with the energy, mm. both with the, the way you're going to change your tone, the pace of the language, just the sheer energy with which you're going to attack everything. Yeah. And so if anything, whenever one of us finishes a webinar, we all need 15 to 20 minutes just to relax because mm, it's been, it's, it's truly a physically taxing yeah. task of giving a training webinar, which again, we do multiple times a week. But by doing that, I'm convinced that you keep the audience a bit more engaged. And by the way, it's also a little easier to do that with a live software demo than a PowerPoint. I think the right. medium also plays into this as well. Mm. Or said differently, I would find it harder to maintain the same energy level in front of a set of PowerPoint slides. Right. I would. Mm. I would try everything in my power to keep right. that same energy level. But naturally, a PowerPoint slide wants to slow you down, especially right. if you have a tendency to read words on the slide, you know, which course you shouldn't be doing yeah so there's a lot to both the energy and the medium yeah and that's where you know when someone else is thinking about what's the right mix of powerpoint versus live demo versus video versus q a etc all those things plan because even even q a we want to take questions dynamically and that is by the way it's actually really hard to do but we've experimented with pausing for surveys and it slows you down so much and it saps the energy level so that's part of what we do, and I think it works for us and it works for others, where you want to have a full 55 minutes so that if nobody asks a question, don't worry. I got us covered, and we are going to have a great 55 minutes. But then if you guys want to drive you know, where we go, that's fine, and mm -hmm. I'll just cut from the end. You know, or I'll, I'll decide where, where, where else to cut to make room for your questions. Right. 
whenever you sort of pause for, okay, now let's sit back now and we're gonna do a survey. Yeah, let's pull what types of projects you do or whatever. Right. Like that stuff, it's just never worth both the cost and time and the cost and energy level. Your poll should be to gauge what type of user you have more than like, what sort of metadata can I get from the audience? Yep. But it's like, what type of user is on the webinar and am I gonna give them what they're coming here for? And if you've prepared well enough in advance, then on the fly, as we've done in a couple of webinars, you can pull information forward mm. and like cut some stuff out because you've recognized. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I've not experienced that, but I but I totally mm. agree and and can see where that where that makes sense. Yeah. It makes me think about maybe one of the distinctions for us between that top of the funnel webinar versus the middle of the funnel webinar. Mm -hmm. Middle of the funnel, there's no question. You that's know, right. like you know you're, here you're, for, you're here for my product. That's right. Top of the funnel, very different. The top of the funnel, generally, you're not here for the product, you know, because, and actually one of the things, you know, in terms of scoping that top of the funnel webinar, it shouldn't be our product yeah. or it shouldn't be what's new in our product. Mm. Like specifically, that is nobody else cares in the world yeah. about your product besides you and your mom. Um, <laughs> really, it should be about something, there should be a hypothesis. Uh -huh. So either there's a thing that they didn't know they didn't know. Yeah. There's a thing that the audience does know that they didn't know. Uh-huh. And you have a very specific hook on that webinar. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we did a couple webinars last year on, you know, seven design misconceptions. And so on that, you know, the title begets the content in a way that, like, That's doesn't right. give me that, that much room to say, oh, you know what, like, I'm going to skip number five and six because I can tell people don't care. I'm just going to rip through those seven. Right. Now, one thing on, on that point that, that we do, and I think is a part of doing those well, the, that the top of the funnel well, is having, so I usually try to have four or five different calls to action. Mm -hmm. So for example, did you like the data I had on point three of seven? Mm -hmm. Email me and I'll, I'll literally send you the spreadsheet. Right. Did you like the analysis we did in point four? Hmm. Email me and I'll literally share the project with you, with you so you can actually see and play with the work that I did on that one. Right. Did you like number six? There's a white paper. Mm -hmm. Email me for the white paper. So essentially the, the final page is like five bullet points of potential calls to action. Right. And of course one of them is, if you haven't ever used Helioscope, here's how to create a trial account. Like, right. And that's kind of why we do this, right? Like, right. If everything you do is ultimately to drive revenue. But notice that four of the five bullet points are about hopefully telling someone something new. Mm -hmm. You know, because again, in, in that point, probably someone is going to either not care or already know three of those five. Right. But then, you know, one of them is going to be actually interesting. And they're going right. to want the data set, the white paper, the project, etc. And then, you know, yeah, sure, indirectly, they might sign up. But again, whether that's this month or this year or next year, it's kind of a, you know, again, like you just, you know, it goes back to the, to the high level strategy of just create as much value as you can. And then some of that's going to reflect back on you eventually. Any other uh, methodologies for top of the funnel that you've found are working really well right now? So I think the number one is definitely kind of thinking through the content the way your customers think through the content mm -hmm. and making sure that it's going to be something that people want to sign up for even though they might not care about your company. Mm -hmm. So again, listicle is one way to do it. You know, another way is that even if you just have, if there's a topic that someone has heard about mm -hmm. but might want a deep dive, mm -hmm. then that would also work. So for example, I've told you that I love the interview you did with the product guy from Longy, Longy right. because he went, he went deep on Perk and Perovskite. Right. And I had been seeing those in headlines. Mm -hmm. Personally, I had sort of been like, you know what, it's probably going to die on the bench, so let me not right. spend any, any, any of my energy learning about this <laughs> yeah. new stuff. But then when he was talking about it, I was like, oh, I'm like, I, I perked up 10 times. Yeah. Because first of all, Longy is a real company. Yeah. If they're talking about this stuff, then it's, that's a good sign that it's real. Yeah. And two, he did a really good job of breaking it down. Yeah. And so if that was a webinar, I would have signed up for that webinar. Again, the broadest point is 
Spend all your time thinking about who the audience is. Spend all your time thinking about what they want to hear, mm. and then go. And you know, like I, you know, even something as simple as like if you think about what are the headlines that someone might be, you know, might be curious about. You know, in the sales and marketing world, you know, account-based marketing has almost become trite. Right. But if someone wanted to say, how does account-based marketing map to solar sales? Mm-hmm. I would sign up for that just because it's like, hey, these are two concepts that haven't been mashed together yet. I'd love to see a smart person truly try to map them and show what that would look like for a, for a sales developer. So there's a lot of different ways to sort of design what a good hook is. But you might say that like essentially whatever makes a good article or headline or blog post is going to make for a good webinar. I mean, this isn't crazy rocket science. It's just a matter of putting yourself in the customer's shoes rather than, and, and in the same way, you never see an article that's just, or I mean, sometimes you do, but you rarely see an article that's just like, Manufacturer X has new product Y. You know, like new product <laughs> Using Y. Using press releases. All yeah, that. exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> like press releases. That's why people don't read press releases. <laughs> yeah. So, so if anything, maybe that's the maybe that's the mindset is don't think of a webinar as a new medium to jam a press release. That's correct. Think of a webinar as what is the blog post that you would want to write that your audience would want to yeah. hear, and then map that to a live webinar. Well, as we wrap up, what advice might you have for the listener who's out there and they know they know they've been thinking about it long enough. They want to do a webinar. You've done thousands now at this point. Is there a few things, tips or tricks that maybe you would dispel that can help that person just take the next step? There's almost two different pieces of advice for the two types. Mm-hmm. For I'll start with the internal, middle of the funnel, the one that you're going to do yourself multiple times. Right. For that one, I'd say don't stress about the medium. You know, I mean, look, we use WebEx. I'm not a fan of WebEx, but guess what? It doesn't really matter too much. You know, we'll probably switch soon. And it, but like, don't stress over WebEx versus Zoom versus GoTo versus right. whatever. Just start them Pick one. and get feedback. Right. Start to do them. Right. Because even landing on how many we do, that has evolved over time and will continue to evolve over time. So yeah. the only way to evolve is to start right. and then keep your eyes wide open yeah. and experiment and be willing to change. And then hopefully you'll just kind of iterate through to something that works. Mm-hmm. For the marketing top of the funnel webinar, mm-hmm. those cost a few thousand bucks. You can't do 20 of those to learn. Right. For those, I would say, focus so much on the before and the after. Yeah. So many companies I've seen where you focus everything on the event and then you never touch that list mm. ever again. Because, because guess what? It's distracting to prep for it, yeah. to run it the day of, and then, yeah. and then it ends. And you're like, okay, yeah. that was cool. I now have a huge inbox. Yeah. It actually takes you a week or two to catch up to that inbox because yeah. you've kind of been not paying attention for five days. Right. And... By then, it's sort of like it's, it's getting stale. And now you're, you've almost forgot that you've got those leads from the webinar. So I mentioned having specific hooks. Yeah. Often as many as you can. Uh, you know, a handful is totally appropriate right. because people are only going to care about one or two of those and they're going to care enough to email you. Yeah. And then having a plan for following up with them afterwards and making sure that you have a couple touch points afterwards to at least try to get people to do something. We'll often do just like a giveaway of a free six-month license if people create a trial account within... Two within. weeks of the event. Oh, cool. Because, you know, because I know, again, if I think about it from, if, if, I'm a, if I put myself in the audience, join a webinar, it's kind of cool, I yep. learned something new, great, interesting company, I'll check it out. It yep. goes into this weird list of like, I'll check it out, but I've uh-huh. got a lot of things that are yep. on my list of like, yeah, I, I need to check that out. Yeah, it becomes well, a Trello card or whatever. <laughs> give me a deadline that, hey, right. guess what? If you do it by tomorrow, by, mm-hmm. or you start by next Friday, and then, and then you actually say, okay, now tomorrow is the day. If you create the trial account, which again is only is, is free, you're going to be in a drawing for you know for a license. Right. And of course, some people will respond and say, you know what? Nope, I'm not in the market for six months. That's totally fine. Right. But there's a lot of people on the margin where all they need is a little push yeah. to push you to the top of the list. Yeah. Because again, the audience is busy. The yeah. audience has a ton of stuff on their list. So cracking through that, 
is not easy and you have to kind of put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, I love that you actually hit on strategically one of the things I see people getting most hung up on is what platform to choose. And they spend more time thinking about what platform to choose than what message to deliver. Mm. So I would wholeheartedly agree with you here. The content is king. By the way, if you're still listening to this, you probably are the person that should be doing a webinar because you've listened through this whole thing and you're still in the fence. So if you really have a question, reach out to Paul, Paul at Wholesome Labs, Nico at mysuncast.com. And in fact, we've created a nice little takeaway. So I'll link to that in the show notes. It is a one-pager full of Paul's best advice on how to launch and run successful webinars and how they have sold literally thousands of users on their product without one single paid outbound salesperson. If that sounds interesting to you and you're curious about how to leverage webinars for your business, reach out to us. We're happy to give you some feedback and advice. Paul, always, always fantastic having you on the show. Of course, man. All right, Solar Warriors, you're now prepared. Go out and conquer. Thanks for showing up again for another Suncast Tactical Tuesday. I hope that you'll take some time this week to really think about how webinars can help you maximize your own sales process and productivity and impact while still enjoying the only day that you've been given today. And I'm grateful that you've chosen to spend some of this day with me. Tune in again on this and every Thursday for another long-form interview with cleantech and solar industry leaders designed to help you learn and grow from the best minds I can find. And thanks again for showing up. It's half the battle.